From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right, hour two here coming to you live from Acapulco, Mexico, or as we say, Mexico, at the Anarchapulco events organized by Jeff Berwick. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are aware of some of the speakers uh, that are speaking, have spoken, like uh, David Avocado Wolf, who's here, Max Egan. Max Egan's bar is, I'm looking at it right now, it's right across from me, and as soon as I finish the show, I'm going to go to Max Egan's bar and hang out with probably TNT's Patrick Henningson, uh, David Avocado Wolf, whoever else it happens to be around, so interesting times, uh, and yeah, what else is happening on this on planet Earth? More cyber polygon news. Hackers attack 25 Romanian hospitals, taking over 100 healthcare facilities offline. Um, the attack started with Pitesti Pediatric Hospital and quickly spread to others. An additional 79 healthcare facilities have disconnected from the internet to try to avoid the hackers the uh, affected facilities represent a significant portion of the country's healthcare system. That is one example of how they could use this cyber attack as a pretext to say, hey, we need to change some stuff. We need digital ID and all this, you know, all these different sorts of protections. You know, we, we need some implants, uh, you know, maybe on, on people's right hands, some implants or something on their forehead. I, I don't know. Uh, Elon Musk uh, again has made the news they were playing over the ad um, Musk's comments where he said Putin can't lose in in um, Ukraine and from an objective standpoint it does seem to make sense his assessment there uh, and also interesting report coming from Paul Serran who I had on the program last week a Brazilian writer analyst and journalist very cool guy we were talking about bolsonaro and brazil uh and paul writes says moscow's top spy sergey narishkin says that some members of ukrainian elites are starting to switch allegiances to russia that's interesting um he says heads of intel services becoming heads of state is nothing new the cia's bush and kgb's putin immediately popped to mind uh, but more and more today's intelligence chiefs from the world superpowers have stepped out of the shadows and they're doing diplomatic work or simply openly appearing in the media with a renewed force he cites as well cia's bill burns um and the mossad so it's um interesting if true again we have to take everything could be russian propaganda uh i don't know but narishkin has come public to say that russian intel has reported cases of ukrainian elites switching over to the russian side does this mean that there's an end game now for the war in ukraine uh maybe they can see who's uh going to win task reports washington and london fear treachery on behalf of many representatives of the kiev elite who may try to get ahead of the game by switching to the side of the future winners russia uh, so take that for what it's worth more complaints in British media. The Telegraph um, article yesterday from Tim Collins, where he writes, Britain no longer has a military. Recruitment processes are under assault from faceless woke people 
We are now resorting to desperate and dangerous measures. A well-organized and targeted attack is underway against our national defense. Few seem to care with military procurement and equipment in complete disarray through sheer incompetence. Faceless people have embarked on their three-pronged assault to further disarm us by preventing the capable from joining and persuading those who are effective within to leave. Is this sort of like a, a handicap in the coming World War III? Do we have agents from the multi the multipolar world uh, within the West sort of, you know, giving a few, how would you call them? I guess you call it like a handicap where you you break down England and, and the US and Canadian armed forces and European uh, so that when the time comes for the battle, the Russian and Chinese have stand a better chance. I guess time will tell. I uh, also report that China, China just, um, you know, b becoming more of a heavyweight in geopolitical uh, affairs and diplomacy. China demands Israel halt military operations in Rafah. Rafah is now home to over 1 million internally displaced Palestinians living on its streets and makeshift tents. And so China's foreign ministry uh, gave a formal condemnation of the Israeli attacks against Palestinian civilians in Rafah and called on Tel Aviv to halt its military operations. So a lot of insane stuff going on. Turkey, this uh, report that Turkey threatens to invade Greece and Armenia. Just what we need, right? Venezuela, there's also Venezuela news. Venezuela, Guyana, Turkey, everyone, just imagine every, everything all at once. Turkey goes into Greece, Israel, Palestine, U.S., China, Taiwan, U.S., Venezuela, Guyana. It says that um, uh, Turkey's President Erdogan said at a public meeting of his ruling uh, AKP party that, quote, our struggle did not end with expelling the enemy, the Greeks, from our lands and throwing them into the sea from Izmir, uh, end quote. It was a pr provocative statement given the massacre at Smyrna, today's Izmir, uh, killed up to 100,000 and amounted to genocide, uh, according to experts. So that sort of rhetoric is going on. You've also got Iranian drills simulate attack on one of Israel's largest air bases. Uh, so today, Iranian state media published footage of what was described as part of a simulated military attack on a major Israeli air base by the R IRGC. Um, and uh, also the headline, the world stumbles into more dangerous decade as defense spending soars, says military think tank. They said uh, the International Institute for Strategic Studies says the current military security situation heralds what is likely to be a more dangerous decade characterized by the brazen application by some of the military power to pursue claims. I've been talking about this as well. You see countries now bringing in conscription, increasing their military budgets, uh, modernizing different um, weapons technologies it's it's uh, you know we are headed for something big uh, it it seems um all right a quick reminder that uh if you love a good documentary then you will love our special screenings uninterrupted cinema features some of the latest or notable documentaries from the world's best filmmakers check out tnt's website for more information, weekends are better when you spend it with us on today's News Talk TNT. It's the stuff. What citizen wouldn't want to make American great again? People are talking about. Vilifying MAGO is just not going to work. Today's News Talk Radio TNT.
reportedly thousands of us and uk drivers for so-called gig economy platforms like uber lyft doordash and others are planning to stage a mass work stoppage on valentine's day as part of a widespread dispute over working conditions here with the story joining me once again tnt news producer adam clark codename ruckus Thanks, Herbori. Oh, wow. This one's going to hurt some folks out there. Uh, dissatisfaction among ride-hailing drivers has actually been on the rise. Uh, over the past year, there have been isolated protests inside United States cities, including but not limited to San Diego, Atlanta, Chicago, Las Vegas, Denver, New Orleans, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, Miami, and Tampa. So um, these protesters like to use different tactics uh, that usually includes gathering around major airports during busy travel periods. And even they did, they just, you can't keep her out of the news, Harari. They actually chose the day of a Taylor Swift concert at one point during a protest to make their absence felt. Uh, most protests are centering on the idea uh, drivers are complaining of declining pay. And now uh, they chose Valentine's Day uh, as their target, apparently, supposedly for a massive protest so that they can, you know, have their message heard, as it were. Um, this is uh, coming from various uh, advocacy, advocacy groups uh, around the different countries are doing this at the same time, apparently. Uh, Justice for App Workers. This is a coalition in the United States that claims to represent more than 130 thousand drivers and delivery workers across america uh they said last week that its members receive unfair pay and they are demanding changes from quote all the app companies profiting off of our hard work end quote the group added that its members will suspend operations for two hours in at least 10 major cities across the u.s including chicago miami and philadelphia on Valentine's Day, one of the busiest days of the year for the industry, it added that its workers will refuse all requests to and from airports throughout the entire day. That's going to be rough. Uh, Justice for App Workers said in a statement uh, threatening the strike last week, quote, drivers are tired all caps, of being mistreated by the app companies. We're sick of working 80 hours a week to make ends meet, being constantly scared for our safety and worrying about being deactivated at the click of a button, end quote. Yep. The proposed demonstrations come a week after the drive-sharing app Lyft said it would guarantee a weekly income for its drivers, saying in a statement that it was, quote, constantly working to improve the driver experience, end quote. Uber, meanwhile, said last week that its drivers made an average of $33 per utilized hour of work in the final quarter of last year. In 2023, the gross monthly income of Uber drivers dropped by about 17%, according to analysis provided by the ride share assistant app Gridwise. The methods of payment, which include an algorithmic pricing model to determine how much a customer pays, require further oversight, according to Nicole Moore of the Rideshare Drivers United Union, who said, quote, a year into algorithmic pricing, drivers have seen an incredible decrease of our pay. She added that, quote, whatever calculations and algorithms they're using, it's absolutely useless, end quote. 
Meanwhile, in the UK, the workers advocacy group Delivery Job UK also said its 3,000 members plan a five-hour long strike on Valentine's Day. The group wrote on social media on Sunday, quote, our request is simple. We want fair compensation for the work we do. Valentine's Day is a celebration of love, but it should not overshadow our struggle, end quote. The UK Supreme Court ruled back in November that delivery drivers are designated as self-employed contractors rather than workers or employees, meaning that they are not subject to minimum wage rules. The judgment followed a long-running campaign by the Independent Workers Union of Great Britain in which it sought to organize and collectively bargain on their behalf. So, Hervori, it would appear some folks might be finding a hard – might – be having a hard time finding a ride home tomorrow evening from their Valentine's Day dinner. So sad to hear this. But what do you think about this story? Well, you know, over the weekend as I arrived here to um, Acapulco, it was interesting to discover that Uber does not function in Acapulco. I think the taxi unions here succeeded in, in keeping it out. Um, and there's a good reason because it's you know it's it's a uh, low how do how, how would you say um there's poverty here and so um it's it works better in the taxi drivers favors not to have uber which undercuts uh them so uh we're just using the local taxis here uh, in acapulco mexico and i don't this model is not working you, you know you you're seeing that this whole gig uber type economy Initially, it was good. You know, it was crazy here in Mexico. Let me tell you, a couple of years back in the late 2000 teens, uh, I think. I, I, my friend, I had friends here in Mexico who were buying cars. The, the, they were buying multiple cars and then hiring local drivers to drive them um, and then using part of the, the proceeds to pay off the cars to make money. None of that's happening now but it was really the rage and the the wage just keeps decreasing as the big tech you know surveillance valley just mops up all of the the profits and it's it's like as you were mentioning it's worse than minimum wage it's not functioning in some geographies it might barely be functioning i talked to friends that i know that do uber back uh, home in guadalajara mexico and it works but it's not fantastic um you know, it's for, for some people it works, but just increasingly it's and we're seeing videos now of the DoorDash. Um, I, I never order food through these uh, apps. Why not just go out yourself and get the, the food or cook uh, at home? But I think this system is not working. It's it's neo feudal. Um, your thoughts? Well, like um, some people use it because they have to, not just because it's convenient. I don't have a vehicle and where I'm situated, it's an awfully, awfully long walk to the grocery store. So sometimes I have to have my groceries delivered. Uh, it just depends on what I can arrange uh, with getting a ride and whatnot. Um, but yeah, to your point about eating out, yeah, you should be cooking food for yourself. I do that for sure. Um, I don't like this idea of them algorithmically charging anybody for anything. That that seems a little odd right there. That's new to me. Although it's not really. I had heard that Amazon does this <clears throat> in case you didn't know. That's right. You might be getting charged slightly different for the same product that your neighbor buys uh, just based on how much 
you make, how much you spend on these things. Remember that merchant code story we were talking about? Yeah, they know a lot about your purchasing power and what you're willing to spend. So sometimes they charge you more. Uh, but what a bum rap for the drivers. This should not be affecting their pay. Everybody should get paid the same across the board. And this is just a giant moot point uh, because Photon in the chat, who's a friend of mine, by the way, shout out to Photon. Um, he points out that all of this is to usher in the robot cars. So we're arguing about how much the drivers get paid Pretty soon, the drivers will be like complaining that they, they're not even drivers anymore because they've been replaced by, you know, self-driving cars. February. We should all just mass exit from the cities and go run for the hills and everyone just grow their own food. And there's going to be no one in the 15-minute cities to control, you know? So <laughs> that's the easy solution. But yeah, yeah but my point, uh, Rock, is fair, a fair point that you made. But uh, I, I was complaining about it. It was slave wages for the drivers. Uh, yeah, which is not good. All right. Have a wonderful rest of your taco Tuesday. I had tacos yesterday for dinner and I will be having tacos again <laughs> for dinner. I will catch up with you uh, tomorrow. Terry will be back with us right after this. TNT. Sonia Poulton. You feel the need to describe yourself along with being a useless eater, free speech isn't a phobia, as a male with a penis. Why would you feel the need to describe yourself as such? Well, you never know these days, do you? Anyone can have a penis, apparently, so just thought you better make sure everybody knows. And that, and that is the reality, isn't it? Words have lost all meaning. And one of the things that I wanted you to come on and come and join me about and comment about is the whole issue of gender and transgenderism. Are you cis, Jack? No, there's no such thing. There was, there was literally no such thing till a couple of years ago. And it's, it's their religion, it's not mine. And I refuse to get involved with this sort of terminology. It's ridiculous. Sonia Poulton on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. News Talk Radio listeners are some of the most active and involved listeners of any format. TNT Radio listeners rely on TNT Radio often as their primary source of information. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Are you sitting comfortably? Oh, yes, yes. Then I'll begin. Even when you're just sitting around, we're rocking the talk. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It's been a long time since we've chatted to our next guest, uh, Terry Wolf, our man in Manitoba, <laughs> up in Canada. What's happening, Terry? Uh, it's good to be back. You know, you know, I always like to get both episodes in if I can, if, you know, I would love it if there's a third one, but uh, you know, two in a day is is plenty, and uh, we just always have more to talk about. So let's get into it. We we never finish uh, our, our talking points, but there was this story that you found, which is interesting. So, songbirds. It reminds me of the awful movie. I think it was called Songbird that came out. The propaganda during COVID. I watched it like a few. A month or two ago, absolutely horrible. Uh, but the story says songbirds, sharks, and many other migratory species are in decline, according to the UN. Uh, what, what's interesting for you there? Well, what's interesting to me is just that they completely ignore. This is from Canada's National Observer, um, and you know they're blaming this on habitation loss 
climate change, you know, the, the typical suspects for what they want to talk about, but there's no mention of wind farms, these, these, but you know, a lot of people just call them bird choppers, um, you know, destroying millions of birds as they're trying to migrate. So they're, they're going along their normal migratory routes and there's these giant turbines that are chopping them up in the process. They, they don't mention that. Um, we know that, that sea creatures are being deeply affected by the ones that are put out in the oceans. Um, the things fall apart, they leak oil, they need an, a tremendous amount of maintenance. They sit out there and destroy the habitat in the oceans. And this is just, uh, you know, blaming climate change while they're creating the death traps for animals. And so you we're having this, and then of course that is a feedback loop, right? So as the numbers get worse, they can then say it's an even bigger crisis and we need to build even more wind farms. And, you know, it, this is all somehow still the fault of, of natural gas or something like that. You know, it's, it, they will never reflect and see that their policies are hypocritical and destructive and counterproductive uh, because they are literally, I think they're trying to create the cognitive dissonance that jams up people's thinking on this so that they the problem becomes the solution to them. We have to increase this um, in order to fix the problem that they're creating. And then it becomes a cycle of doomsday solutions, basically, you could call them. Yeah, I didn't think about the wind farms, but you're spot on. And also all the chemical pollution that these same globalist corporate entities are creating. I've had on the show, I can I always forget his last name, Robert something. You wrote the book, Exposure. Um, which was made into a film. Uh, I think Mark Ruffalo played him. And I read the book, fantastic book. I love it. You know, I had on Michael Barone last Friday and he mentioned, oh, he like, like basically said like, he, he liked the fact that I actually read his book. No, I read my guests' uh, books. Otherwise, I'd feel like a, uh, a fraud. But the chemicals, right, that are destroying the, the habitats, the, the, the insects, the, the animals among... And, and, you know, that's a whole nother... This could be an entire hour-long discussion. The the electromagnetic pollution, right? Yeah, and and, and radiation. People used to talk about that all the time. Nobody talks about. 5G. I haven't heard anyone mention five G in in uh, a year, basically. But that used to be a huge talking point on how it was affecting birds and it was affecting bees and their sense of orientation and things like that. I, we should be doing studies on this as well. Well, there was just uh, the U.S. government. Was it the C the the NIH? Um, I think they had like 30 million in funding or something that to study the effects of cell phone radiation and they stopped. This was, I mentioned this a couple of weeks back and they're like, oh, you know, well, let's not look into the radiation coming from cell phones. Let's do another vaccine, <laughs> you know? And so, yeah. uh, and speaking of vaccines, there is this, I mean, literally Terry every day, it's, it's a total clown world. CBS reports, today and i got this from the feed of um james of grand theft world uh, liberty radio does great work i uh, should get should get him back on he does great analysis alaska man alaska man is first reported person to die of alaska pox virus <laughs> exposure may be linked to stray cat and you know, the whole COVID thing, Jeff Berwick, right, of Dollar Vigilante and Arcapulco, his opening talk, he thought, and I mentioned this yesterday, I think it was, it's one scenario that 
the what whatever was in the vax might be activated uh and that might be called disease x but it's just nonsense these you know yes i still believe in viruses and contagion but i never i don't really you know i'm not afraid of them and i, I don't think there really are pandemics really yeah you know you may maybe you had the bubonic plague yeah way back in the day i, I the black death i do think that happened but um i think it's obvious now that they're, they're concocting all of this artificially because they just talk about these nonsense diseases that they're making up that, that don't even um exist uh your thoughts on this and have you thought lately about how they might advance with their biosecurity state yeah i mean uh i i, I find that the more they add uh I mean, I always get asked about my handle, Wolfpox. Um, you know, it's unrelated to all of this stuff. Um, Alaska pox now, uh, cowpox, mpox, all these different poxes that are coming out. We don't know what these really are. And we know that the biomedical security state has been captured um, and that we can't trust what they're saying because lying with statistics is the game now uh, in climate change, in, you know, the same way they completely make up numbers for carbon footprints and stuff they can they can label whatever they want with people's deaths we, we've seen them you know play around i mean we don't have to go over the whole history of covid's reporting uh nightmare of labeling things falsely but yeah who knows what this actually is the guy has an immune deficiency that could be from an mrna injection and then something comes by and triggers it whether it's environmental or some other, you know, time release thing or some natural thing that just starts happening to certain people. It's it's literally military technology. That's kind of the thing that we need to keep in mind. This is military technology that was classified. We still don't know what was in them. And so, and we don't know which doses were which. There's That's another thing that I find uh, interesting about all these stories is I know people who got two doses of the vaccine it had never had a single side effect um they reported not even feeling that normal sort of uh sickness and and whatever afterwards there's this period where you you feel a little bit bad afterwards they might have just gotten a saline injection or a completely fake dose other people have completely wildly different symptoms but there could have been 10 15 different things being shipped out and you know it could be a giant test where they know where these things are going but we don't um the the level of psyops and deception around the medical system today is to the point that's why i don't even keep track of it honestly is because it's so abstract it's so high above my head it's military grade technology and medical systems which is all of course private people's medical information so it's very hard to try to keep track of what's really going on anymore and and there's this uh one line in the story it says officials were official all right some expert official the routes of exposure in this case remains unclear for alaska pox although scratches from the stray cat represent a possible source uh, and you can see how they can link that then to um climate change oh yeah, you you scratch you 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 pet a cat you get Alaska pox or Chicago pox or Mexico pox or whatever. <laughs> do you remember that? And then I was going to say, do you remember that episode of uh, Simpsons? They, oh, they yeah. were talking about the 
the fake pandemic they were going to create for the news and yeah. they literally picked cats as being the vector for it and so they were trying to scare <laughs> this, people with cats this, this is it and they're going to say oh you know what we got to get rid of cats right because once they get a, rid of meat uh you know the only meat that's going to be left is like cats and dogs or so they're not even going to allow because they emit too much we got to call <laughs> all the cats uh, and you know there's the emotional support as well um uh that, that you get from having a pet like a cat and a dog all right, time for our headlines. Be right back. Now, TNT Radio News. News Flash. Yeah. Now, without further ado. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla and SpaceX, stated emphatically that Russia will not face defeat in its conflict with Ukraine. His remarks were made during a discussion on X Spaces, part of the social media platform X, regarding a Senate bill proposing additional USA to Kiev. The U.S. Senate, led by Democrats, passed a $95 billion international security assistance package, which allocates approximately $60 billion in aid for Ukraine. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. Do check out again Terry's websites, wolfpox.com, winterchristian.substack.com. Check out his books, his socials. He was a guest on James Dellingpole's podcast. I think that's uh, very cool. And so he's going places uh, now. And ju just to consider uh, th those themes now, again, that we were discussing the whole uh, political story about the EU fascism that they hope we get to experience in what, 15 years, 2040 um now you've got this story about euthanasia duo euthanasia you know pretty first it's euthanasia now it's duo euthanasia and it's like why don't you just have commit suicide with your entire family right it's jim jones type stuff now it's his former dutch prime minister dies hand in hand with his wife dries and eugene von Acht, both 93 uh, years old died as number of couples in Netherlands choosing joint end to life grows. Um, they say, yeah, that the numbers are increasing and this is absolutely um, insane. Just this normal as I read, where was it? Ecuador. Now Ecuador is making legislation to allow euthanasia. You're at ground zero there in Canada. We've talked about yeah. that before. Um, and then you could just, the countries now are activating it you know probably thanks to the same glo globalist uh entities ngo networks consulting companies united nations the world homicide organization and so this is crazy now in the netherlands that they're pro for me this is not in, in no way is this normal when i think about my parents more my forefathers the, the stories that i heard my aunts and uncles it's like i, I don't know any anyone that you know this is not a normal thing what <laughs> your, your thoughts on this new form of eugenics exactly this is the, the reason why it doesn't seem normal is because this is the new normal like it that's the term they use uh after the pandemic and, and with this whole push is a new normal where everything we used to think was normal is now discarded um it's important to emphasize that this is the former dutch prime minister you know this is not just some person so this is the kind of story that becomes uh an example it becomes a you know it could set a trend it could normalize it much more than than an average person doing it and 
I don't know, I'm kind of baffled. I don't even know whether it's saying what I think it's saying here in the article. It says, although couples amount to a tiny percentage of deaths by euthanasia, 8,720 cases or 5.1% of all Dutch deaths in 2022. Is it saying that 5.1% of Dutch people kill themselves? Or is it saying that of the euthanasia couples are 5.1%? No, I think uh, 5.1% of Dutch deaths were couples killing themselves. But that, that just seems outrageous. That seems almost impossible. I don't know. That, 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 I would love to hear from somebody, if there's anyone in, in Netherlands who wants to call in and explain this to us, uh, I would love to hear more about that because that sounds quite shocking. Yeah, and then in Canada, you do see a kind of a preview of what they want to do where they're advertising these deaths as being positive, that they reduce carbon footprints, they you know, save on so much medical expenses. Of course, our socialized healthcare system is a disaster and it is so slow and inefficient and expensive. So you may as well just kill people and save taxpayers money. I mean, it's a sick death cult and it ties in with the, the Green World Order agenda where people are inherently evil, uh, plants, um, you know, they're start, trying to starve plants by getting rid of the carbon. Plants need carbon in order to live, uh, but it's just a death spiral on every front. And here you have sort of a celebrity example that they're, I guess, promoting as a good example that people can follow. Die. It reminds me of Soylent Green. You know, that was another thing there where you could go to a facility and watch a beautiful video as they, you know, kill you and turn your body into meat for other people to eat, something like that. Yeah, and here it says that uh, the numbers, again, although still rare, euthanasia of couples was first noted in the review of all cases in 2020, when 26 people were granted the euthanasia at the same time as their partners, the numbers grew to 32 the following year and 58, almost doubling in 2022. So you see a clear trend there. Um, you wrote another piece recently titled Cognitive Dissonance, Slander Machines, and the Bystander uh effect which was fascinating tell us uh more about that yeah i i've said before that i'm fascinated by the psychology of the end game uh, as things get darker and things start collapsing and people start panicking and becoming really paranoid how do they manage these crowds and these entire populations and one of the most important psychological principles that people don't think about um is cognitive dissonance that's where your brain tries not to think about something because it's uncomfortable because you don't want to have to you don't want to confront it because if you did it would mean basically you have to take action it would it would open up this whole can of worms you don't want to deal with so your brain just basically circumvents the facts that you are seeing with your own eyes or 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 that you're sort of seeing the dots but you refuse to connect them and one of the main ways that you create cognitive dissonance in public is to do something shocking and then lie about it very confidently. Um, you can think about something like building number seven on 9-11, which falls at free fall speed. Everyone who's paying attention sees it. And then they just come out and say, that was just a normal office fire that somehow did that. It's so shockingly evil. It's such a, such a blatant lie in your face that your brain doesn't process it. Um, you actually, because then you would have to say, well, then they're lying and they're lying to cover up 
something that they planned and there's all these implications that start to unfold and i remember back when 9-11 happened i would try to point this out to people in my own family to to people that i knew in school or whatever and their brains would you could just see them shut down they just didn't want to think they couldn't contradict it they just didn't want to get into it and that's what cognitive dissonance is is where there's something very painful that you don't want to deal with and so you just ignore it and what happens is that uh con men or confidence men that's what i argue in this substack piece uh confidence men take advantage of cognitive dissonance because while you're sitting there trying to avoid thinking about something they're acting very confidently like everything is normal and they're normalizing the situation and taking advantage of the basically what is a blind spot that is created by cognitive dissonance so really evil and uh, and sort of a very sloppy blatant act of evil in public can ironically create a blind spot in which they operate um and they get away with things because if you wanted to call them out on their lies you would actually have to then acknowledge this whole other conspiracy or this evil that's been happening and um and, and so i explore this in the piece how that actually works you basically you're under a spell that they control and that effect wears off over time and then you can you can start to question them unless they keep multiplying the lies and create multiplying the evil and so by now that's why we call it clown world things are so upside down and so um so inverted that you know people who do get it are now just saying the whole world seems like it's crazy and upside down but those who are still under that spell of cognitive dissonance they're shutting down more and more and more. And I'm calling for people to get over that, to call it out and to, you know, not be afraid of the backlash. Um, and this also then combines with another important psychological principle, which is the bystander effect, uh, which is it's, it's been proven that when something evil or shocking or an emergency, a crisis is happening, amongst the big crowd in public view um, it's actually known that people refuse to get involved if the more people there are the less likely it is for anyone to do anything about it it's kind of very counterintuitive to what you'd think just like cognitive dissonance you'd think that people would if something really evil happened and everyone saw it we would all be outraged we think that we're logical but actually people get afraid and they shut down and the bystander effect is when people all sort of agree that we're not involved we don't want any part of this and they just let it happen and so if you're thinking about collapse scenarios possibly tribunals uh martial law executions in the street genocide all the crazy things that could happen in a collapse scenario these are important psychological principles to be aware of in advance so that you can sort of think if you think of yourself as an independent person who doesn't go along with the herd you have to fortify yourself against these reactions you might have to just quietly sit back and not say anything, be afraid, and and not pop this bubble of cognitive dissonance that everyone else is in. It it sounds sim similar, doesn't it, to the, the the big lie when people talk about Hitler and, and Goebbels, and mm. you tell a lie so big that people, because most people at at worst they'll tell little lies. Or what do you call them? White lies, little lies. But they can mm -hmm. never imagine themselves telling such a massive 
fraud uh, and, and, and lie. And that means they can never imagine anyone else doing something like that. Like the whole, oh, climate change uh, doesn't really exist or, you know, the whole COVID stuff or the different wars that are going on. Um, and would you say it's a similar idea to that? Absolutely. Yeah. It's actually, ironically, the more extreme the lie is uh, and the more painful it would be to expose it, the more um, guaranteed it is, the more certain it is that a large percent of people will just go along with it because um, the alternative is to bravely stand up and create a resistance to, you know, to not let it go, to not let them sweep it under the rug, to become a different person, essentially. And that's where it ties into your identity. People don't want to see themselves or become that type of person who is basically a, a target. You know, like, you know, from your own experience, you, you get things shut down, you become a dissident. Um, and they start to target you. I mean, there's all these real world implications once you start popping these bubbles that they create. Uh, but it's it's just very important for people to realize that evil can happen right in your face in a public setting. And it the exact opposite thing happens than what you would expect is people are quiet. They go along with it. They don't even want to talk about it. They don't want to acknowledge it. And that's why they can then easily smear people who do talk about it as a conspiracy theorist. And that lets people say, oh, I'm safe. Uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't want to be lumped in with that crowd. They're targeted for destruction. I'll stay over here where it's safe and I won't talk about anything. I'll be a good boy and I'll shut up. Um, and so it's a very important part of the, the end game, I think, going forward. Yeah, yeah. And we I think many of us have experienced uh, this in, in different ways. Uh, growing up. It's time for our break. Again, we welcome phone calls. Uh, our TNT lines are always listed at the top of tntradio.live. You can send in questions through my email, uh, my contact form on tntradio.live or drop them in the chat. We'll be right back. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Well, the latest in the Michael Mann versus Mark Stein trial is a little bit interesting and I'm trying to figure out if this is right. Apparently, Dr. Mann's lawyers, there are four of them, and remember Mark Stein is defending himself by himself. Apparently, they've asked for a nominal fee as far as damages go. And there is a rumor that what was asked for, I'll sit down, you ready for this? Was $1. Now, Mark Stein has spent around $3.5 million, I've heard. I don't know, maybe it's more, maybe it's less. Defending himself from Michael Mann and Michael Mann's lawsuit over the fact that Mark Stein thinks that Michael Mann hid the data and he called him a fraud. Right now, I could see, for instance, let's say uh, the number one climatologist in the world said that to you. That's one thing. But Mark Stein is a journalist. That's the first thing. Second thing is he had to raise the money to defend himself. And we've gone over this. But one dollar. Why would Michael Mann only want one dollar? You know why? He just wants the decision. He just wants to be able to say, see, he actually did defame me. I won the court case. Well, I don't think Stein wants any part of that because of the fact that he wants to drill it home that what Michael Mann did, take two samples out of 22 and then hide, he did. 
he hit the data from people who would criticize it and actually tear it apart. Mark Stein wants that to come out. One's pursuing the truth, the other seems to be hiding it. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. We all know what it's like to feel alone. But it just takes one new connection. Want to get out of here? To empower many. This is unbelievable. It doesn't take a superhero to bring forces together. We all have the power to reach out. Let's go! And help someone feel like they belong. Pretty cool, huh? We are stronger together. You're with Hervoye Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Terry, I did have a further comment on your article from your Substack, winterchristian.substack.com, but I missed this this comment from Rolo or Royo. I don't know how to pronounce it. Sorry, Tomasi on the chat um, a couple minutes back who said, he's asking you the question, Terry. Uh, he says, does Terry think this can be stopped? The road we're being taken down. Uh, and, you know, that's often a discussion at many of these events that I attend, like Anarchapolco, is you've got and I think you have to look at multiple things, the belief systems of the people as well. And so I think you'd probably agree with me. You're, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, you, Terry, as a Christian, myself, my view is that it's inevitable. But then the other people in the group, in the, in these, in the media say, oh, you're black pill, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, we, we should always keep resisting. Like, you know, the movie 300, right? Uh, to the death, resist tyranny, evil, do good, be nonviolent. Um, even if, you know, I, I believe the Bible, I think it's it's going to turn out uh, bad eventually. It's going to get progressively worse, but I'm not dejected about it. I, you know, we get to work. We start fighting back. But then, you know, the, the other people in the alt-media movement don't believe uh, in the Bible or God, and they're more optimistic in thinking that we're going to defeat um you know the the, the global uh occult uh elite uh and i just kind of i have a hard time looking at that i know we have our battles we at, at times um that we succeed in but they have their hands on all the levers of power and institutions and 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 finance mm -hmm. and even mercola dr mercola has, has has come off saying this that they control almost um everything and so do you think what uh, your thoughts terry can we uh do anything to stop it well that's pretty much the running theme of my winter christian substack i'm exploring that right now in many different posts and i find that the biggest danger when you start thinking of what can we do to stop it is that you're going to latch on to false hope and you're going to latch on to false leaders and i would uh, advise people to act as if it is uh, inevitable, but that the details can change, how it plays out could change. Um, and I think the most important thing is which side you're on and what you do to contribute to the re you know the resistance, if you want to call it that, um, before it happens. And so like in my piece on Alex Jones and David Icke, I... I talked about Alex Jones writing this book called The Great Awakening. And, and just on the excerpt of the book where it's advertising it, you know, it talks about how 
God has this plan for mankind, this glorious future, they call it. Where are they getting that from? I mean, I look at prophecy. I wrote a whole book on Revelation. It It's not sunny. It doesn't get better over time if you believe in that. Uh, so they're posting this, this idea. They're floating this idea that God has a glorious future in mind for you. It sounds very much like the QAnon, trust the plan sort of thing. It's very much a, you know, go along with these these uh, presented saviors that are going to come by. So, you know, I don't know the future. I don't know the timeline of the future. If, when, and if these things will happen, it could be that you can go another 50 years and, you know, have a, a happy retirement and then things will happen. But just don't put your faith in institutions, elections, politicians, these things that are going to disappoint you and, and have this false hope. And I'm totally against revolutionary bloody massacres and, and you know domestic terrorism and all these types of extreme ideas that uh, get floated around for how you really solve the problem this idea of the the veteran uprising you know to defend the constitution from enemies foreign and domestic and all that kind of stuff I, I disown all of that I have nothing to do with it I believe in personal salvation I believe in Jesus Christ being the only savior and um, I think that the danger is that as people get more desperate, conditions get worse. They're going to feed you false prophets. They're going to feed you solutions and saviors and these things, knowing that you will want to latch on to it. So that's also part of this sick game that they're playing is to lure people into these camps and give you this hope. And then that turns out to be a trap. Yeah, just to go back to your um, article where you talk about confidence men and how they pull off their out outrageous scams precisely because they know people would rather turn a blind eye to a problem than confront somebody, especially if they act confidence. Um, you go on, you talk about also the ultimate example of the flat earth movement, which is constantly being debunked and exposed, but is always doubling down on fast talking, gibberish insults, and fa false dichotomies, for example, that you must believe everything NASA says and you know uh, i had to leave david weiss's presentation early he's like the main flat earth guy who was speaking today um and honestly i just to me it sounded just as you described it gibberish like he, he's showing all these videos and stuff and you know i, I come I have a background as a teacher and a professor and you you there is a certain way to present information um step by step logical so the person the student has it clear and me as being the student in this flat earth lesson it was just like he's just showing clips like it was like gibberish like the one clip after another not explaining i'm like i don't know what's going on it's just this and that and he's talking about the sun mm -hmm. and it's like it's like it's not making any sense he's not clarifying one point before it moves to another and it's just rapid fire the earth is flat and it's like in my book, Fire in the Rabbit Hole, I talk about David Weiss and his, he started as a salesman. He's a salesman and a marketing guy uh, who then fell into Santos Bonacci's um, syncretist society, it's called. It's actually called that. So syncretism is where you believe all religions are the same, essentially. It's very theosophical. He fell into that. He praises Santos Bonacci as being his mentor. And now he's a salesman for that. So he's using salesman techniques, not educational techniques, where you just talk fast, you bombard people. Anytime someone questions you, you make them feel stupid. Um, and then you just sort of have this very uh, charged, emotional sort of uh, language 
to push people into that. So if people want to see my thoughts on David Weiss, um, I would love to go there and, and hear him talk myself. But um, write, I write about him in my book, Fire in the Rabbit Hole. I have a whole chapter on the flat earth, and it is one of these examples. It's exploding in popularity against all odds. You wouldn't think people would be falling for it. But you can see how this cognitive dissonance just sort of overwhelms people's rational uh, instincts, and then they they go along with it. And suddenly, once you're in it, now you feel embarrassed to admit that you were fooled. So that becomes cognitive dissonance. I can't admit that I was wrong. And, and they start by presenting you with all of the things about how NASA is lying, which is a different type of cognitive dissonance. So now you just switch camps. So it's another one of these false solutions where you expose NASA's lying, but then you're supposed to jump into this other camp that also doesn't prove its claims. And so they get you either way. It's it's an example of controlling where steering where people go as they're sort of waking up from the the propaganda. Yeah, and I, I did listen to David Avocado's Wolf or David Avocado Wolf's presentation today. And I like the guy, he's hilarious. Um I discard his sort of shamanistic whatever new age views he said he was raised as a baha'i by the way which is interesting he said he's part persian um but he's really good at health like the stuff that he talks about when it comes to detoxing and diet and nutrition and health it's like i will take that information and i i want to do water fasts as as he is doing he does like four two week uh water fat just no food for two weeks uh he does that four times a year but he also mentioned rudolf steiner uh who's a key figure you know all of these things, this this new age sort of stuff. And he mentioned that a century ago, Steiner said that this sort of flat earth worldview would, would be coming back. And mm. so that's just kind of interesting when, again, when you examine all these links to this new age stuff in the background with uh, all of these alt new alt media theories, there's something there. And very few people are picking that Apart, we just got a couple of minutes left, and I did want to get your thoughts, um, Terry, on this story. Sam Altman and Vision Pro, who says it's the second most impressive technology since the iPhone. Uh, I, I, I have the means. I can buy the VR thing in my home. Um, never going to do that. I just I don't want to use it. I don't want to put something in and get locked in the metaverse. Uh, and now people are walking around on the streets with with this sort of thing. Um, what do you make of Sam Altman and Vision Pro? Yeah, Sam Altman is is definitely like a DARPA asset, uh, kind of like Elon Musk, and uh, and nobody should trust what he says. And so when he comes out, you know, saying how impressive this technology is, but he doesn't say why it's impressive. He's just sort of generically hyping it up. Um, that's a red flag. Uh, he, of course, wants people's eyeballs to be scanned, which is exactly what the Vision Pro does. You activate it when you wear it. It activates by scanning your eyes. Um, it has, I think, 16 different cameras in it. Whitney Webb was talking about this and saying how it's basically a walking spy device um, that not only is it scanning you and your face, it's scanning everybody around you without their permission. And so they can use the biometric information of everybody in public as these people are walking by you. They're capturing your images. It's being stored somewhere. You know, and then it can map out uh, a map of where you were, the timestamps, and who you were around the whole time. So I think the Vision Pro is another piece of military tech designed to spy on people in public and get away with it. 
$3,500. Absolutely insane. And I've heard criticism that it's not very well made either. By the way, Whitney Webb will also be speaking at Anarchapulco virtually, though. Uh, so, all right. Always great to chat, Terry. We'll catch up with you next week. Wolfpox.com, winterchristian.substack.com. Uh, everyone go there. Check out Terry's books. Uh, thanks, as always. Thank you very much. All right, Steve Malzberg is up next. Be seeing you, as Patrick McGuhan would say.